0: You're listening to the Polis Podcast with Chris Corrier and Hector Murai, a bi-weekly show about how comics, pop culture, and faith affect culture at large. This is part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Greetings comic book fans of all ages. Welcome to episode eight of the polis podcast. Where the feats of the brave and the bold are celebrated next to the mind-bending confusion of editorial and creative continuity. For who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. I am Chris Poirier, your loyal bi-weekly host, and I'm joined by my brother
1: from another mother, Hector. How are you this lovely podcast day, Hector? Are you ready to talk about some comics? I'm ready to talk about some comics with the freshest podcast hosts, the Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. of the comic book industry. Here to speak with you. Oh, that's good. See, we've been working on our podcast (laughs) intro game, and I'm not going to call it, but
0: we nailed it. But before we peel back that onion, That is the comic book industry. Hector and I would like to remind each and every one of you that the pull list podcast is not alone on this journey, but we are part of a larger network of amazing geek related content from a network called love thy nerd podcast network. We are one of not one, but three awesome shows on this network, and we'd be remiss not to mention them right now first we have the humans of gaming podcast where you can hear dazzling interviews and game from game developers and creators and then we have the one and the only free play podcast where a panel of some of the best beards you've ever heard in podcasting have been assembled along with the wonderful and beautiful Kate Kadawaki, LTN's own social media nerd, to talk about just about everything generally nerdy week in and week out. If you've not been listening to that show and you like video games and just general craziness, go over there and give those folks a listen. Bubba, Matt, and Kate do some great stuff week in and week out. And all of these amazing shows, they can be found on just about any place you can find podcasts, wherever you get your podcast fixed, you should be able to look up Live Thy Nerd and find us. But if that doesn't work, you can always go to lovethynerd.com. So check, check, check them out. Okay, Hector, I think the bills are paid. I think we've got the stuff out of the way.
1: Tell me, what have you been pulling these last two weeks? All right, so the last couple of weeks... uh I went backwards a little bit and pulled out a graphic novel that um, was suggested to me by one of our comic book uh, artist friends, Lyle Pollard. Uh, he recommended that I pick up Kevin Smith's initial run in Marvel Knights Daredevil, uh, which is Guardian Devil. Mm, so nice. I I went back and picked that up and surprise, surprise, a lot of Daredevil season three Uh, is pulled pretty much directly from Guardian Devil, which, you know, there's some outlandish parts to it, so it's one of the more out-there Daredevil stories, but uh, it pays off well. So I pulled that in. Um, Let's see. Continuing to read Man Without Fear, the epilogue, or I guess prologue to what... The epilogue to The Death of Daredevil and... The uh, prologue to whatever comes next. You're um, doing Shows, that really well, isn't it? Yeah, I'm happy I've, with it. I'm happy with it, and I honestly thought coming off of, I thought coming off of the last Daredevil run that it was going to be hard to follow, but I've got to say it's this was tailored really well to just follow up where we've been. So that was yeah. Awesome.
0: And can't we just take a moment to say to folks that might not be maybe you're just jumping in the comics and you've been along for the ride with us that typically these like especially weeklies because this has been a weekly series um, yeah. typically don't end up being that great. Um For whatever reason, these filler stories are usually a chance for up and coming creators to kind of get their feet wet. You will usually see new folks introduced in these type of situations or in tie in events for major summer events. And so usually as a comic book retailer, I don't go very heavy in these because most people are like, right, it's not important. It doesn't matter. But. I myself and a ton of the rest of us in the retailer world, we have, you know, secret Facebook clubs and stuff. And we talk about the industry behind their back. I mean, directly to them. Um, and we've all been really happy with this series so far because it, it's doing a great job of closing out what came before. And now I'm really excited to see what Daredevil comes out the other side.
1: Isn't, you know, there's only like one more issue. So one more. Yep. Ends yep. at five. So uh, have they announced what's next yet? Yes. The Chip
0: Zdarsky um, run on Daredevil starts in February. So it's going to go from here into Chip's hand, Um, which given the hard hittingness of this series, I'm kind of curious how that's going to look. Chip is known for being kind of lighthearted. I love Chip's work. He's done a lot of really insane things. Um, So I'm excited to see where he takes this character. Um, After a year... Well, more than a year, two, three, maybe three years. I'd have to do the math on that. But 30 plus issues coming from Charles Sewell, um, who was a lawyer. He does levity well, but he's also a lawyer and he really nailed that part of Matt Murdoch. Chip is. Chip is crazy at times, Um, (laughs) but he's I mean, it's super fun. He's the guy that gave us the best two pages of Amazing Spider-Man ever, which is uh, Peter Meets a Spider. Um, Go look that up. Worth it. Um, Okay. And he does all kinds of other craziness. But I I just got to drop this shout out to Chip here because Chip did something amazing in setting up this Daredevil book, if you didn't know. Like a month ago, he just went out on Twitter and went, if you want a 30 second to 60 second bumper of me saying awesome things about your comic shop and coming in, you should come and buy Daredevil, I'll do it. So we did. My shop did. And we figured he was kidding. And he sent us a minute long intro video that's on our Facebook. Um, I might drop that in the notes of this show because he did 60 something of these. Cause he realized he can't not do it after he promised the internet and he was kind of dumbfounded. People did it. So he spent an entire day <laughs> recording these bumpers and you can see him kind of get tired <laughs> as he oh, no. does. They're, they're all different, but they're all amazing. So the comic book industry is alive and well and chip, Thanks for that. It was amazing. It's hilarious. And seriously, brother, we hope you get your Daredevil mug without a chip.
1: There you go. <laughs> um, also picked up the second installment of Shazam, the newer, uh, the reboot, I guess. Um,
0: yes, the Shazam family, uh, family values tour.
1: Yeah, the Shazam family. It sounds like a bad Limp biscuit reunion. Um, <laughs> oh. uh. Which, by the way, I think they're coming back. I think I heard that they're recording and a plane to tour soon. So the world's not ready, really. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. But wait. Um, uh, H- Immortal Hulk, a.k.a. Hulk in Hell right now, um, I've just been so thoroughly impressed with what they're doing with this. And, you know, being the, the pastor Bible nerd that I am, anytime you like give me three or four pages of just bible talk in a comic book I I'm, I'm going to I'm a I'm a be a little more gleeful in your direction but it's just been really good about you know dealing with Hulk and Hell they've really I think this has been one of the most impressive dichotomies between Bruce and the Hulk I've seen mm-hmm. um and this recent issue like the I want to say it was yeah it's 12 Immortal uh, Hulk 12, like, you know, there's just some stuff, you, you know, that I don't see coming and I enjoy it on um, more about hell. Uh, there was Shredder in hell this week, number one. And um, I thought it was you, you found it a bit boring, right?
0: Yeah. It, and I don't want to say that to sound like I was down on the book. I was a bit that sometimes with certain writing styles, I just kind of I cash out. Um, But the art of this book was really good. And that's usually an experience for me that doesn't happen, where the writing loses me and the art's like, ooh, I'm going to keep flipping these pages. It's usually the other way around, that I'll get distracted by art that just seems out of place. Um, But this one just didn't click for me for whatever reason. And some of that could also be just fatigue from the pile next to my chair And when I hit that book. So I want to hear what you got to say, because maybe I need to revisit it and put it
1: to the top instead of the bottom. I'm not going to say it needs to be in the top, Um, but... I enjoyed reading it. Um, like because of your recommendations on some things lately, I picked up a few more Ninja Turtle books, and I can't pick them all up because there's a lot. And There's a fair number of them, yes. And um, they're about like Spider Man. Um, <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed this one. Uh, I obviously am missing out on some of the more latter entries into the Ninja Turtle mythology, mm-hmm. and uh, that showed definitely in this but um i if it was a very zen vibe to the whole book you know you pick when the cover has shredder in anguish and says shredder in hell you expect a little more of a raucous adventure than uh like a walking zen garden and that's i felt like what it was it was like splinter and shredder having a peaceful stroll through the afterlife dealing with his issues Um, so, if anything, this was more like Shredder in Purgatory than Shredder in Hell. <laughs> but, Shredder takes a walk in the garden. As you can hear Southern Baptist hymns playing softly in the background. Um, <laughs> so, that was good. Uh, really still enjoying the Tom King's Batman Nightmares run. And I read so many comics that I forget sometimes where a book leaves off. Right. And so I picked this one up and there's zero indicator of what came before, uh, when you pick it up and it wasn't until the last page. And I'm like, Oh, we're in nightmares still got it. Um, but it was fun. I don't, I don't want to throw a lot of spoilers out there because it is, well, I mean, it's, it's a nightmare, but there's still a lot of content. So you get to see, um, for those of you who are heartbroken by Batman 50, uh, and the uh, wedding that didn't happen batman sixty three will at least uh scratch that itch a little bit for you
0: a little bit you know? it gives you a little more of that it it had that cool feeling of oh they're just doing married stuffs yeah. um there was there were a couple really cool moments in there, so again we'll we'll kind of let you guys actually get to this book um and I think the thing that really stuck for me finally is what we didn't get in sixty two is we kind of now understand where this nightmare thing is coming from, yeah. Though we're still not one hundred percent sure on the person whose button is on the proverbial the f- yeah. Okay, I am going to say that right now. Um, the person whose finger is on the proverbial button. There we go. There are ooh, lots of work, lots of lots of words there. And that's yeah. why I was confused. Not enough caffeine yet.
1: Um. So so that's a thing, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Thought it was solid. Uh but I do I this is I think this is one of Tom King's arcs that we really aren't going to get the full picture until we're uh you know at the end of it or at least over this hill and we are not over this hill yet. Um, no.
0: I I want to say it's potentially linked to the thing we've been discussing on where the heck did this part of this story go? But It's Tom King. It could be anything. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes because we're definitely pulling some deep stuff out of Batman's head right now.
1: Yeah. So there's that. Um, Firefly number three, still going along with that, enjoying that story. Um, So good. And I I feel like with as fast paced as so many other books I'm reading are coming, I would really enjoy this one to be a little faster paced.
0: yeah, you're not wrong. Um, that three kind of felt like, all right, you just occupied a bunch of space and time before you're going to get to the punch at the end of this arc. Because, um, yeah, that was... Yeah, two full issues of basically the same chase still kind of going on.
1: Yeah. I mean, they set you up for like a good cliffhanger at the end of three, but... Right. Um, <laughs> Next easily. month on the Firefly. Yeah, I could use a little more. Um <laughs> So that's that's about the the heavy stuff that I've been reading. There's there's been a few other things, but um and I'm trying to remember what it was, but like um one book that I read this week had an egregious amount of spelling errors on one page. Um hmm. and I'm trying to flip through my pull, my like my pile and see what it was but like there were three spelling errors on one page like badly spelled errors and um and it wasn't character driven or anything like that no it was like Ooh. straight up now my thing is i wanted to go back and look at it cuz i haven't gone back to look at it but i wondered if it was code like if it was you know some right. secret of a miss like Series of Unfortunate Events type stuff, where uh, the spelling <laughs> errors actually... Because, um, I mean, that, that's a plot point in Series of Unfortunate Events. And I didn't know if right. maybe someone's trying to pull that off. Um, but We're that was, here
0: on this podcast. It means that we are both poor spellers.
1: Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Love Thy Nerd Editing Team. And all <laughs> the people that help edit the Faith and Fandom books, we know that you're the heroes. There's a reason
0: we do podcasts, we're just saying. Yes. Absolutely. So what are you? What are you reading? So I'm semi surprised that you didn't pull it, or maybe you forgot. So I'm gonna lead with it. I-, I wasn't gonna read it because honestly, I'm not that guy, but I did pick up the new Buffy the Vampire
1: Slayer. I didn't pick it up just because I'm I'm super hesitant. Now I'll say this. I I like the writer. The art looks great. Um, or at least the cover. I haven't actually cracked the book. The covers look great. But um that's a rabbit hole man um yep. and i've been you know i'm glad it's in boom studio's hands but i mean i picked up buffy season eight back when joss was kicking it off and that like that was a car like i could have bought a car with what that whole story arc cost <laughs> and um and so like i i legitimately i i my I was on my finger was on the trigger. I was legitimately about to pull that and I'm like, Oh, am I, am I ready for what this is going to do to my life? So, um, yeah.
0: So, um, yeah, it was interesting because when we were getting ready to pull this book, whenever you get a new book and a comic book shop and you're looking for folks to potentially recommend it to, we always have this conversation on, well, what am I going to pull this book for? And Everyone's like, "Well, just pull it for Firefly." And I'm like, "Well, wait a minute." I was like, "You're not wrong. Um, stuff in the Whedonverse, most of those uh that Venn diagram does overlap."
1: Yeah, it does. I was like,
0: "But I'm I was like, but I'm actually the example of I I really didn't dive into the show a ton and I don't know, I just wasn't that guy, and I get it. Uh, you can ask for my nerd card later, folks. It's fine. But I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. It's, it's a fresh beginning. It's not diving into the multiple seasons and tons and tons of background information. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of liked it. Um, I think that was another
1: deterrent for me though, was that (laughs) um, because I've been through so much like that, I do have, you know, seven seasons of TV, five seasons of angel. And then like, 25 seasons of the comic book. um, (laughs) You know, I've me and Buffy, we've been through it. Like I've seen Buffy and Whedon's hands and Brad Meltzer's hands. I've seen, I've seen things. And (laughs) that's fair to go back to the beginning after seeing so much. I think that's where the difference is with Firefly. We've, mm. we've only had like 16 hours of visual Firefly and a few years of comics.
0: Yep, um, and it's and it's continuing from a point. They're not they're not really resetting much in the Firefly universe. This one kinda did go back-ish to the beginning, but it wasn't heavy-handed in reintroducing folks. It just kind of matter of fact gives you the key characters and the setup of where they are today, and they're moving out. So in terms of comic books, just being able to pick up a story and go, oh, this has decent art and good writing. If you like the vampire slayer stuff and the Buffy whedon esque, I don't think you're going to be potentially disappointed here. I, I respect that it could be one of those things that adds to a pile of continuity and everything. But as a person that is only chan- tangentially aware of of the Buffy verse, I was like, okay, I I think I'll actually read this, and because I enjoyed the first outing and it's visually great and the story was. It was enough to keep me going, um, as a person that only knew enough to be dangerous. So I'd say if, if you're that person, go for it. If you are like Hector and have scars from decades of, of Buffy, maybe not, but maybe so. I mean, it, it, I know that there are Buffy fans that are going to buy every single thing with Buffy the Vampire Slayer on it and good on you. Your local comic shop thanks you. Yes. Um, So I had Batman sixty three and Man Without Fear as well as my heavy things. So the two books, by the way,
1: hmm. just before the spelling errors were in the Walmart books.
0: Oh, interesting! Right, I'd be curious to see the context. Like you said, if that was code, if it was on purpose,
1: And that's the thing. I believe it was a Tom Superman. So there could be something to that. Yeah. So
0: interesting. We'll revisit this because we're going to talk about some of the Walmart stuff uh, in the later half of today's show. So let's try to get us there. Um, What else did I pull? So Marvel had two kind of old school books that they re-imaged and they're bringing back into the fray and brought forward. And so I did read Crypt of Shadows because I I wanted to know is, are we going to get that really good old school like the Chiller books, um, Crypt of Shadows, and all that, and I I didn't hate it. I'm okay. not tip. I'm not typically uh, a horror book reader, but this is very much that like Tales of the Crypt esque type storytelling, and the art is kind of cool because it feels like it's attempting to emulate what these books used to be, which are kind of fun because visually these books are really kind of cool from that um tales of the crypt horror ish type thing so it was neat because it was like three separate stories but it was three separate stories that were tied together to the same thing so you got like two ghoulish like stories but then without giving away the end they all tied together so it had this cool twilight zone slash like i said tales of the crypt oh no he didn't type ending and i i kind of didn't love it in process and then when i hit the end i was like no, I totally can see how this is exactly what this book should be. So, if you're into that type of thing, I recommended it to a few folks that I know are into this thing, and they came back and they're like, dude, nailed it. And I'm like, great. So, if that's your thing, you should go back and revisit um, the Crypto Shadows uh, on the shelves this week. And then the other one that's kind of related but different um, is Howard Chaikin brought us uh, War is Hell and was a World War II. Um, military-esque book but what howard did in this book is really neat is war as hell actually tells like this story of fighter pilots in world war ii but then flash forward into war on terror and he ties those two stories together and the complications of war and some of the emotions and complications of that it's the age old adage, as you would say, is that war never changes and all that good stuff. If you got that okay. reference, good on you. <laughs> yeah. Go listen to the free play podcast. Um, so it was, again, really great visuals, but both of those books had that really cool old school Marvel feel to them. So, you know, like you were kind of saying on Shredder and Hell, is I don't know, I'd say if you put that on top of your pile. But if you're into those type of things and kind of like feeling those throwback, those were super good. And I think the last thing that really kind of stood out to me, and this is going to be shocking. Um, I actually did pick up friendly neighborhood Spider-Man number two, because oh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't just <laughs> leave it at one. Um, I Unless a number one completely turns me off. I'm usually like, okay, I need to pick up number two and three and find out if, I'm really giving this a fair shake and I'm still not hating it. It's still not the best spider book that might be on the shelf, but it is certainly not the worst. So what Um, is the
1: best spider book on the shelf?
0: Oof. I mean, I'm not reading it as well as I should, but based on sell through and everything else, amazing is really good. Spider-Man, um, renumbering with, Miles still in control of that title recently is also really solid from talking to my spider folk. It's just too many books for me to read. But for those of us that want that classic Peter Parker feel friendly neighborhood, Spider-Man is just, they're hitting it. It's good. Um, It was kind of wackiness in the middle of giving us who the big bad of this story is actually going to be and who, who, his sidekick of sorts is going to be. And I'm not going to spoil that cause it's kind of a funny reveal. Um, but whenever Peter Parker picks up the phone, when he needs help with something really random and the human torch shows up, I know we're in good Spider-Man territory and that's exactly what happened here. And it was great because in the first book, we saw him with these two kids that he can't figure out. And, um, He's like I don't have time for this, so I'm going to call someone to watch you guys. And you're like, "Who's Peter going to call?" And the human torch shows up and you're like, "Right. That makes perfect sense. Have Johnny watch the kids. This will go great." Um, but it it was great cuz the interaction between Peter and Johnny is some of Marvel's potentially best buddy stuff.
1: I always enjoyed and, it in Ultimate. I really did. Right.
0: And I'm getting those vibes and I'm like, "This is Spider Book forty thousand and three, but it's well grounded right now. So, like I kind of said from the beginning, if you're looking for something that's easy to follow in the Amazing Spider-Man um, space, I- I'm digging it. I think this is a really solid book that people of all ages can read together and appreciate. Is calling back well, but is doing a decent job going forward. So, it's another one of those books that has surprised me because typically it's the quest for more money as opposed for the quest of just good creative content. And this is somewhere in the middle and I'm totally cool with that. Okay. So I think that's kind of like the high points, like a lot of stuff came out in the last two weeks, but at the same time, it also kind of felt like not a lot came out
1: in the last two weeks. So if we've missed something, that's what had me reading graphic novels I've never picked up before.
0: Right. Well, there you go. And that happens, um, especially this time of year, because we're going to see a build up towards summer events real soon. Um, I always
1: felt like it should be the other way around because summer <laughs> events are so swamped with like, you know, superhero movies, right? All the it, things, all of the things, and all the things that require money between vacations and comic book movies and all of that. It's just like hit me, you know, in the lull, give me something massive in the lull, not when everything else is happening. that's a good point.
0: And that might be a good place to transition to some of our big topics for this week. We didn't have any single book. We really wanted to ultra focus on this week. Um, But there are a couple things going on in the greater sphere of comics that Hector and I decided we can not not talk about. See that there was a comma there. Um, this this is why we need editors. Yeah, grammar. <laughs> I did it. I, I don't know if I did it, but there's a no, lot going on in comics. If, um, if this was
1: Microsoft Word, you'd have the blue line, not the red line. It's okay.
0: Oh, right. But is Clippy going to help me? Cuz if Clippy's not there to help me, I'm totally lost.
1: I want Clippy to show up in a Deadpool book. <laughs> like okay. I, I want to turn a page in a Deadpool book and Clippy be on the side and just start talking to you. I think that would be fantastic.
0: Oh man, we need to work on that. So S- S- <laughs> Scott- Scotty Young, if you're listening, um pl- please be listening. Um Clippy Deadpool make it thing. Make it a thing. Um so yeah, lots going on in comics and we were going to start with the Walmart Superman special and then for the last 2 days DC Comics decided to take the jar that is their world and someone shook it as hard as they could. Um
1: a little heat ledger there. Yeah,
0: and <laughs> it was kind of crazy because I mean, obviously the the top of the comic book editorial space of journalism bleeding cool was trying to do like live updates from uh California and the DC shakeup and they they knew basically what the rest of us did. But good on them. We we became aware that something was amiss something was complicated in the city of gotham and so if you've not been catching up dc comics did kind of start the week with a lot of leaks of potential changes at the top and like anytime we hear about changes the entire world's like oh didio's out jim lee's out everybody's out dc comics is collapsing well good news everyone that that's not what happened um Jim Lee is still very perfectly fine where he is and maintaining his publisher roles and his chief creative officer roles. And Didio is maintaining his space as well. But uh WB apparently did kind of reach into DC Comics and decide to shake things up a little bit. And you know, their wording on all their stuff is the bring DC back to the greatness that it once was before that a few folks pointed out. Wasn't that the point of rebirth like two years ago? Um, but I guess that's what most companies say when they're in restructuring and reorganization. But what mostly shook out of it was a bunch of senior vice presidents kind of in the middle, higher echelon of things above editorial and above normal day to day operations, um, parted ways. Um, And it seems what was going on is WB is trying to consolidate some of their sales divisions and some of their stuff that they think overlaps more. So there is a layoff list potentially coming out at some point if they get down to brass tacks on it. Um, But the bottom line of this is it would appear that editorial is mostly going to be in place. Most of the creative is going to remain in place. It's just, WB is trying to find, you know, all of that synergy and other business words um, that make them feel better, but also save a couple bucks is kind of my take from things. I did have a chance to talk to one of my friends that is in the sales division at DC. And I I will leave him be by name, but the main thing being that most things are business it's as usual. Hard. Yeah, it's <laughs> totally alive, totally selling us toys. Um and the main thing was I just wanted to love on that dude that, you know, we talk about community a lot here and I'm like, I figure everybody and their cousin trying to get a bleeding cool quote um, came to him because we talk to sales guys like all the time. That's what they do. They're trying to sell us stuff. Right. Um, But I just wanted to make sure he was good and the crew was good and well, good news. They're, they're all great. And that makes me feel good because there's a good group of people working in DC sales. And I don't just say that as a retailer, Um, I think they care about what us as customers and other people think, which might sound counterintuitive to a lot of folks that feel that DC started sliding a bit in the last six months. And there's some folks out there that do feel that way. Um, but yeah, but
1: they've been sliding in some areas potentially, but I mean, their stuff has gotten better. Right. And,
0: and, you know, that was what I told him. I was like, I'm not, I'm not just telling you, man. I was like, your product is still great. Your stories are still great just stay focused as you have for the last year, because that's what you've been saying is we're listening and the stuff reflects that. Most of us that are sitting there going, you're, you're not wrong. So, yep, there's, there is some turmoil, but it seems to be mostly organizational stuff. It doesn't seem mind blowing like EICs and, and primary creatives being fired or that kind of stuff. It's, it's just comics, comics, drama and turmoil makes the internet turn in our space. So I think a lot of folks were sensationalizing what appears to be just a restructure for WB to make more sense of not necessarily duplicating jobs. That's, that's my takeaway for the moment based on what I've heard, what I've seen. So we'll keep an eye on that. If, if something like insane does happen, we will revisit this and see if there's some folks we can talk to. But for the time being, your DC comics are safe. Uh, Jim Lee still at the at the helm and Creative is still clicking right along. So if you're not brave souls of Gotham, the sun will rise yet again.
1: No more audio clickbait for Jessica Chobo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> womp womp. So so DC Comics is fine. That's all you really need to know, folks. Um but you know, if you do know anybody in that universe. I think we get lost in sensationalism and we miss the opportunity to care about people. So reach out and be like, Hey man, we know things are crazy, but we hope you're good and your people are good because we love what you do. Um, Cause that's what drives this industry on all points from sales all the way to creative. Um, we're all kind of in this big comic mess together. So share some love. If you know some folks,
1: there's rarely been a time I have tweeted someone in this comic book industry from the biggest to the lowest that they didn't respond. Um, Also true. So these guys aren't untouchable um, and they're not distant. And, uh, and I'm still waiting on, you know, my demon Etrigan battle rap um, from Azrello. So yeah, we,
0: we might want to give them a couple more days, but then we can definitely revisit that. I think that's important. Yes um so so that's dc uh hector uh i know that you've been reading it and you had your hands on it do you want to kind of lay out for us the latest walmart superman and some of you might have heard there was a a tad bit of controversy there as well scandal Um, scandal it's totally scandalous more so not so
1: not under i scandal please don't sue us
0: Ooh. (laughs) yeah oh no this goes on youtube man (laughs) Aren't it? Um, So, yeah, uh, lay it out for us because there's a lot going on there too. Because it it wouldn't be another week in comics if there wasn't something
1: to complain about or have self righteous anger over. So, hit us. So, there has been a debacle with uh, Superman number seven on the Walmart run of original stories. And this is Tom King writing. And uh, so. Superman has been over these issues. And by the way, if you actually want to pick the story up and here, okay, let me hit this real quick. Here is what I think is going to be the tragic downfall of these Walmart books.
0: Mark this date on your calendar, folks.
1: Um, this is cause this is, this is what literally almost sank my battleship in terms of caring. Um, um, there's no way to backlog um there's mm. no way to catch up if you miss something um because if the Walmart and now these books are available at Target right um i believe
0: it's a Walmart exclusive unless they've changed their stuff okay. because the main thing we've been complaining about as retailers is It was rumored we were going to get a hack at it at some point, but I don't even know
1: when that's going to happen. Yeah, I I heard something recently that Target might be getting involved too. Um, But for all I know right now, it is a Walmart exclusive. And when Walmart changes out their retail space, they chuck all the old books. So, point in case, Batman and... Go ahead. That makes me sad. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sad now. Uh, Um, Well, I used to work, you know, when working in Walden's, we threw everything away and it was like um, that hurt my heart. Um, But with that, Walmart just chucks these giant books and um, point in case issue number six, which, uh, by the way, these stories did not start on issue number one, which, again, is confusing. Um, they started on, I want to say, issue three. Oh, right. Because they did the old school thing of giant sizes of.
0: It had multiple stories, right? So like they have had
1: four stories in each issue. Right. So you
0: had some Batman, you had some Wonder Woman, you had Superman. And I keep forgetting who the last one in there is a Teen Titans things. one. That's Man what it was. League, yeah.
1: Um, but so the story starts at like issue three. So issue six Guess when that came out? That came out around Christmas. Guess what people are at Christmas? They're distracted. So I didn't think to brave Walmart in the middle of flipping December uh, when people are, you know, procrastinatingly Christmas shopping to try and get into the nook and cranny where they hide these things and pick up a book. So I missed all of the issue sixes. I have searched five different walmarts hoping that someone left some stuff on the shelf the only thing i found is teen titans number three because apparently no one even cares enough to throw it away um and these books just lapsed right over so i literally went from like the second week of december into the first week of january and i missed an issue and that's terrible
0: well, I can help you. Uh, so claims the great E of the Bay. They are actually sold out. So that might have something to do with on top of them ditching things. But you can apparently find them slightly on the secondary market if you're really, really want to catch up.
1: Well, that's the thing. D- like the Batman story that I missed was Batman, Green Arrow and Deathstroke hunting the Riddler. I don't know if I care enough to pay shipping for that. Um, and um real talk here on the polis podcast with hector mirai (laughs) um and then like superman has been chasing a girl who has gone missing and she is somewhere in the depths of the cosmos and as lois pulled out can't the green lantern corps handle this or anybody that does space stuff and superman's like no it's got to be me um so, Superman is literally hitchhiking his guide across the galaxy. As did he bring trying- a towel? Yes, he brought a towel. It's what his cape is actually. Um, the underside of his towel is ter- or his cape is terry cloth. Um, and he is hitchhiking basically across the galaxy to find this little lost girl, which again, it's pretty Superman thing to do, but far from the best use of resources. So, for whatever reason, Superman, uh, cause I missed issue six and I don't know what happened. Um, Superman is basically dead and lifeless floating in space. He gets picked up by a medical transport and he is somewhere in a waiting room, like an intergalactic waiting room, a uh, very Beetlejuice esque on the eternity waiting room. It's very much what it looked like, but remove the ghosts and put aliens. And that's exactly where Superman is. Um, and so, as he is waiting, he's doing what spouses and parents do when they are far from their families and they can't get in contact with them. They're worried sucks to get a hold of him. So, Superman is literally sitting there contemplating all the ways that Lois could be dying without him. Like, that because he's off-world, he can't get a hold of Lois, he's trying to make a phone call like across the galaxy to get a hold of Lois. And so literally the page opens the literally you open the first page of this Walmart for kids book and you see Lois Lane shot in the head. What like spoiler uh, alert. Yeah. Well it's the first page. <laughs> um <laughs> keep reading. Um but literally the entire arc of this one issue is Superman worried about Lois and you don't know what's up on the first page you just know that lex luthor shoots lois in the head well then you turn the page and you see superman's just in a waiting room and you spend the rest of this these issues or the rest of this issue seeing a million different deaths of lois lane and the hubbub the the debacle of it is you know people were upset and offended that Lois was being tortured and killed repetitively. Um, You know, by the third panel, it goes from, Oh, my feelings are hurt to, Oh, it's groundhog's day. Um, that's about what it is. Let's like, it stops being, I'm sad and offended at what's happening here. It's like, okay, this is getting old. Um, and a bit repetitive. So, you know, if it's, it is brutal, like for a couple of the panels, But the most of it, like, it starts to seem downright silly that this is how what Superman is spending his time worried about. Um, So, but the bigger issue there, um, you know, and that you had mentioned is that a lot of the perception of these books is that they're supposed to be for children.
0: Yeah, it's available in a Walmart, targeting a specific audience to, I mean from DC Comics themselves said the point of these is to function as an onboarding point for folks to get into these comics learn about these characters and then want to wander into a local comic shop and read more so your lead off point for this issue apparently was Lex dropping Lois and <laughs> then us violently watching Lois dispatched from this plane um even as a memory which seems kind of wild to me or you know a a nightmare if one will um yeah it's it seems a little staggering
1: to me but yeah well well, as brutal as that is here's my other problem with these dc books especially if they are actually being marked now by the way i am starting to see the marvel collections at walmart as well um like, they don't have a neat little box like DC does, but they're, like, stacked up on the shelf. Um, but the problem I'm seeing is that these books are so far from kid-friendly. Um, or And here's the problem. I don't even know if they're not kid-friendly. They're not kid-interesting. Um, that, That's an interesting point. That, you know, in the Batman book, they've got the rebirth run of harley quinn okay i don't want my 8 and 10 year old reading the rebirth run of harley quinn it's not the worst
0: it's not the be- it's not the best and i think i've mentioned it before that one of the challenges as a retailer is a lot of kids see the cartoon versions of a lot of their favorite characters. And then their parents wander in and go, cool. Where's the Harley Quinn book that I can show my
1: eight year old daughter. And we're like, uh, right. (laughs) Um, um, and and then (laughs) they included new 52 nightwing. Ooh. So I'm literally like, you pick up the Batman book, you get one chapter of hush one chapter, which by the way, well played. If you're going to pick a Batman book, go with hush. Yeah, Hector approved. Hector approved. Um, But you've got one chapter of Hush, one chapter of Bendis' run, one chapter of Nightwing, and one chapter of Harley Quinn. Um, Outside of the new stuff from Bendis, you know, why? Um, Yeah, just why? (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, even with that, I can say this I love Tom. And I'm learning to tolerate Bendis um, in this capacity. I just you know, I know I'm being super critical today. Forgive it, me. It's okay.
0: Uh, uh, I'm usually the one that's taking all the brunt of being a little down on uh, Brian Michael Bendis in the community. So I need someone to share this this boon with. Uh, but they, we we need. We need to say it for the record. It, it, Brian Michael Bendis is one of those folks. It's a love-hate relationship that folks love him for what he does or folks hate him. I've not met
1: many people that are really neutral. Um so well, yeah. here's my problem. I think it is. I think I am more neutral towards Bendis, but I How can say this. How is that possible? I don't there's well <laughs> I want to I don't want to pay for a comic book that I don't love. Fair. I have not seen a single thing Bendis has brought to DC that I love. Um, I picked up the new Titans by the young justice from Bendis. Okay, great. But as young justice, Robin would say, I was whelmed.
0: (laughs) So it wasn't crash. It was just whelmed.
1: Yes, it was not crash. I was whelmed. And, um, you know, I was like, okay, that was cute. I'm not going to pick this up. Um, you know, reading his stuff with the Superman 1000. That was that was OK. Not going to pick this up. Um, you know, the only thing keeping me uh, reading the Bendis Walmart book right now. Do tell it, is your homeboy's art. Um, oh. Nick?
0: Nick Darrington. Nick Darrington. So hot right now. I'm so I'm very. Right yeah, I'm very not apologetic about Nick is super talented. And if you just want to see a ton of his art and honestly, a lot of art that he just always wanted to do and everyone was like, cool, well then do it is in all those Walmart books. Yeah. So A and look up Nick Darrington. Super
1: awesome. B read that stuff. See that, that stuff. Well that's the thing. I'm I buy that book, if nothing else, just for Nick Darrington art. Um because good reason. It it's solid and getting to see him draw Death Stroke and see him draw, you know, Oliver Queen and stuff like that, that's been worth it. But um I'll say this: this Superman story is a stretch even for Tom. You heard it here first. I have a non-positive, glowing thing to say about Tom King's writing. It's it- a less positive thing. Let's not lie. Okay, it's a less positive thing. This story is convoluted to the point of Grant Morrison final crisis levels. Um, my head just hurt a little bit right
0: there thinking that through.
1: Go on. Yeah. Um I like this feels like this is a Morrison story. This feels like a like it could be in the same Morrison Green Lantern book that's out right now. Um and I don't love that. So, you know, if Walmart is doing this for kids, they need to put Tiny Titans. They need to put Super Sons. They need to put um DC superhero girls and put that in a collection and stick that at the front of Walmart.
0: Um, yeah, I I think it's a little of both, but it may be Walmart's goal versus DC's goal may be different. Is kind of what I'm starting to see unfold. Is I think Walmart's like, ooh, comics, comics are for kids, and DC's like, cool, super broad distribution to people that don't typically read comics. Let's hit them with our really good stuff, and so that's a strange dichotomy, right? And I think that's what's kind of playing out right now in the marketplace.
1: So, so that's where we're at. You know, I think people, you know, I can understand them being upset about Lois, but I think as these are dragging on, I think there are more things to be upset about.
0: Sure. And I guess that leads us to our final topic that we don't want to jump up and down on quite yet because part of it is it's not out yet. And we're playing the speculative
1: game. Yeah. It's purely speculative, but
0: it Put can't speculative
1: not... on my name,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> and that would be DC Vertigo's imprint. Second Coming is getting a ton of Christian press, secular press, comics press, and the basic premise here is that Christ is is returning, and the reasons are well, they're not great, and so. Christ is returning and Christ is going to return to actually be the sidekick of a superhero. And so suffice it to say, there's a fair number of people of faith that are a little upset. Um, And honestly, probably rightfully so from our perspective as Christians, that typically we don't enjoy seeing our our Lord and Savior done in a satirical fashion. So there's been a lot said. There's even a petition um, that's been submitted to Vertigo this week um, north of a hundred thousand signatures of folks of faith that are upset, and we've had a lot of folks. I know Hector, you've had a lot of folks come to you. I've had a lot of folks come to me. And the love that in- community, my
1: inbox is full of people.
0: And they're like, because y'all, y'all do comics, and what, what do we do? Um, where's the anger? So we, we did want to take just a couple minutes today um, to kind of talk about what we've at least seen so far, and some thoughts on how to approach at least in the interim until we see exactly what comes out. Um, I know for myself personally, as we, I think all of us of faith can agree. We, we typically don't enjoy seeing It's not just not enjoy, but it, it can be almost blasphemous. It, well, it is, um, in portraying our Lord and savior in such detrimental ways. Um, so it's it's a complicated topic, right? And that's why we're kind of dancing around the things because we know we have listeners from all kinds of points of view here. Um, but Hector, I kind of want a couple of your thoughts and then you know I can jump on some of the pieces there. But for me, I think a lot of it is a wait and see because there's been a lot of comics that do this type of thing and end up surprising us. And I've even said in the community and to some folks that when Judas got pitched, I didn't think that was going to be what it ended up being. Now, granted this one has some pieces tied to it that make it very clear. It's probably wow. not going to end up being a Judas. Well, well that's, uh, <laughs> I didn't,
1: I didn't pick up Judas initially for that reason.
0: Right. Um, so I think he, there's, there's wisdom in, in waiting, but
1: which, we have dude, seen some here. One of my best friends actually, you know, cause we've hyped up Judas a lot. One of my best friends yep. read it this week and they were super offended by just, uh, the one scene where Jesus apologizes to Judas. Sure. Um, yep. And, and I was like, you know, I was like, I never even took that literally. I took that like him being empathetic, but I mean, sure. here's the deal. This is my thought. You know, I, I've, I've had everything from my inbox to uh, people ask me if I'll set up protests from the faith and fandom booth. I mean, oh, wow. like, like, I'm like, okay, that's literally the opposite of what I'm here for. Um, but here's where i'm at um first of all this book's not out um any you know as they've said in every fashion uh no press is bad press um right by us pitching a fit by us uh blowing this out of proportion by us flipping out about this all we're doing is guerrilla marketing for the book no, I, I agree. I've I've I did have someone
0: at church approach me on Sunday um, when they they're like, right, you're the comic book dude. And said, what do we do? Where's the same thing? Where's the protest? Where's the thing I can sign? And I kind of did the same thing. I was like, this is exactly what they want.
1: Now, here's here's the thing, you know, incoming with that. There, there's a couple thoughts and, uh, you know to be the pastor, to just drop some Bible thoughts on this. Um, you know, in John 15, 18, Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. Mm -hmm. Um, the world hating Jesus is the status quo, right? Um, the world not loving Jesus is the status quo. The only people I expect to be loving and respectful of who Jesus Christ is are the church. Um, we shouldn't be shocked that the world doesn't respect Jesus because they don't know Jesus. Um, you know, it's the thing of, it's not that they're bad people. It's that they're blind people that they don't see that yet. They don't know that. And so I don't expect someone who doesn't know Jesus to treat him well. Um, the only, the only thing, you know, I tell people this often is like the only medium that I expect to convey Christ in the best manner is the Bible and the church and that's it. Um, everything else we should be grateful for the strides we get that are positive, but we shouldn't be surprised by the negative, you know, and even in that there's a, a verse that, uh, in Ephesians five twelve, you know, it says it's, for, it's shameful to even mention the evil things that people do, uh, in in their secret, you know it's you know it says the verse before that that we should expose these things. Well, here's the thing: it's been exposed, <laughs> it's public. Us us fanning these flames is not going to help. Um, you know, this isn't the best thing that we could focus on in comic books. And you know, someone brought you know the argument um, actually in the Love Thy Nerd article I did on why comic books matter. Um, the that already that discussion already hit the comments there, of um. You know, dealing with this stuff, and I'm like, I I can't. You can't expect a secular organization to represent God well. If they do something and they get it right, high five, good job, go team. Um, but I the only. Pl- that, you know, we mentioned this back when we were discussing Batman 53. I don't need my comic books to be Christian. I need them to tell a good story, and we can use those good stories to do that. Now, this story obviously comes, you know, if you know this guy, this writer's background, he was a church kid. He grew up in this, and he does not like what he sees in the church. Um, he's written two actual, not comics, but books of uh, God is Disappointed in You and Apocrypha Now both carrying the same tone so we're dealing with somebody that's in this capacity obviously isn't a fan of the church or who god is and there's a lot of days you know even as a pastor i'm not a fan of who the church is sometimes because we need to do better um now am i surprised dc is giving this this the light of day um i'm a little sad you know it's one of those you can do better than that moments. but, you know, most comic book labels have books like this um, because comic books are that medium for people to tell stories that matter to them. And so if they tell this story, this is apparently something that this guy feels passionately enough about to pitch. And DC obviously thinks through And Now, first off, it's Vertigo. I know DC is over Vertigo, but that's like Marvel being over Disney or Disney being over Marvel. It's it's not the same thing. I'm not going to, you know, be angry at Disney for Marvel decisions. I know it's the same money. Right. Um, it's the same
0: money, but different editorial, different creative. I mean, imprints exist at major comic book companies because some of it was gobbling up smaller companies, but a lot of it was to pick up lines of comics that did specific things. And Vertigo was always a mature line, usually lots of off the wall, really kind of very mature type content. And that's, that's their presence. That's, that's what they do. They tend to be outrageous. They tend to try to poke the cultural bear. That's literally what their editorial exists for. And like you said, that we don't have, we can't hold an expectation against a secular organization. That is something that we of faith hold, Um, near and dear, because, I mean, that's part of a lot of the cultural discussion here to begin with. And to be really honest, um, I saw someone else make this comment in another forum I was following. And I think it's something that we've said in the past, and you can correct me, um, but I know that I take this position of, right, we don't expect DC, Marvel, whoever, to write this perfect, quote unquote, Christian comic. But What we do believe from our faith side is that God's redemptive power is absolutely possible in all things, including secular, even if it wasn't designed for that. And I feel that's a lot of what you do with your books and faith and fandom and in pulling out the stories that have relevance to our faith and our belief. And as weird as it could sound that some people are starting to wonder because of this writer's background, that this might not become a potentially valuable look at how someone like that views the American church. And that's going to hurt. That's going to be painful to read. It's, it's probably something that we're not going to highly recommend to, to folks in churches rush out and read, but
1: that again, some, we're doing their job for them.
0: <laughs> right. That it's one of those things that it's something we might be able to learn a great deal from. And it's kind of where I'm at at the moment is the, you know, we don't know what we don't know. We literally are doing their marketing job for them. And part of that anger probably is well-placed, but some of it is we probably should wait and see. I
1: and mean, if if yeah. you look at the, the things like this, okay, just based on the sales pitch that he downgrades who Jesus is. Yeah. Okay. I get it. That's offensive. Um, Yep. No, but, absolutely. I mean, and, and the, that's the thing. I could take criticism of the church because I know that we drop the ball on so many things. Um, but, you know, it's a little more offensive when you, you know, take a stab at who God is or who Jesus is in that capacity. Um, but I really, I I think that we can do better in how we respond. Um if we respond with hate, then all we're doing is proving that they can get a rise of us. I meant like, I'm not going to say vertigo is valuable for a lot of things, but if they know that they control a certain community to get marketing, they will. Absolutely. Um, And that's, that's one of the things. So, you know, if, if you don't approve of this, if if this is obviously it's not something I approve of personally it's, it's something I'm very you know discouraged by, but I think we can we can at least use the conversation for better things rather than tearing down a company. Let's use the conversation to show people who Christ really is, as opposed to you know one discouraged person. Because at the end of the day, this dude who wrote this is someone who was wounded. By what he saw in the church. There's a heart issue there. There is an actual person behind that pen. And if the church rises up and it's ugly and it's nasty and the faith community uh, turns into an angry mob, we've proved his point. So. No,
0: absolutely. So like we said, we don't want to jump up and down on it quite yet, but we did want to at least get a couple thoughts out as so many folks have been asking us. And Hector and I both agreed that this is one of those things that part of it is a wait and see, but certainly don't mishear us in that from a pastoral position for both of us, but also as people of faith that it it's something that it does wound us in terms of how the content is treating our our lord our lord and savior um something that is personally important to both of us and to other christians but at the same time how we function in this culture in this society and how we address these issues obviously matters and both of us that's so that's why we do things like this podcast it's why hector does faith and fandom and why i came alongside hector and my ministry journey and why both of us are here at love thy nerd that we think we can do better and that the church itself can do better and we can take opportunities like this to have a conversation have a much different conversation in the space so if you've got questions you know reach out to us let us know you can partake in the community um with love Thy nerd which i'll give you more of the details here in just a minute but yeah you know i keep telling folks that one of my personal mantras is that words matter And it's not just that words, what we type, what we say matter, but also how we carry ourselves. And we think this is a great opportunity for us to be honest about how we feel about the content, but also take the opportunity to address the community and some of the things that are coming out through the story as well. So we're kind of on that wait and see so we can see just what where this story goes and what is actually said and done. And we think there are responsible ways to do that. And we think conversating is part of it. So we just wanted to open up that conversation of folks, let folks know how we feel. Um, but we know that's kind of a heavy topic to end on for the day, but I think that is going to do a, do it for us here at the Polis Podcast, episode eight. Lots of different stuff we talked about this week from new books to weird conversations at DC and the shaking of their proverbial world Uh, Walmart and their super books and Lois having really bad day in Superman's head. And then finally just um, Vertigo and the issue of this upcoming book, Second Coming. And we just hope that it's empowering to you that you can have this conversation. You can come and listen and be part of it. But before we go, we just want to remind you all that you can also join in this conversation, just like I said, each and every day. By joining us at the Love Thy Nerd community, which is on the Book of Faces, the Facebook. And all you got to do is search for Love Thy Nerd community and click join. And you can talk with Hector and I and a whole bunch of other really cool folks at Love Thy Nerd. Um, Almost every Nerd fandom is represented. And we talk about all kinds of craziness each and every day. So it's a great place to have these types of conversations. But also just to share in the cool nerdy stuff that you're doing and enjoying because maybe we've missed it. Um, maybe we're not reading something we should be reading. So if you recommend something, Hector and I will read it. And we'll get on the microphone and we'll podcast about it. Because that's what we does.
1: With our two so, tables
0: and a microphone. And a microphone. What? Because that's where it's um, at. That's where it's at. Um, oh, <laughs> noise. Uh So remember to like and share the show. There's just so much cool stuff going on at lovethynerd.com where you can see articles and Hector mentioned his piece on the importance of comics. Uh, You can check that out there at lovelightnerd.com and we've got reviews and other cool stuff. So keep your eyes out for all kinds of neat content there, but it comes down to the most important thing. As we say each and every week, remember kids read more comics. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Pollist podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Miron. Part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Be sure to rate and review the show and share on all the social take media. All
1: seven continents, the, game of risk. the master of epic duels. I can feel your